Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. All right, a couple of important stories regarding animal welfare and the laws that oversee this area to talk about. We've got new rules intended to uh, make some changes. Tighter time frames when it comes to the amount of time that farm animals can spend in transit with no breaks for food, water, and rest. Uh, some differences of opinion about these new rules. Uh, industry saying that it might make it more difficult to move livestock across the country. Uh, some uh, animal activists saying that the rules don't go as far as they need to. Now, what's also happened today, we've got some changes coming with regard to Bill C-84 which deals with bestiality and animal fighting. Some amendments have been approved at the uh, Commons Justice Committee. This now goes uh, to the House of Commons. So I want to get into both of these issues. Joining us uh, to talk about all of this is Camille Labchuk, uh, animal rights lawyer, executive director of Animal Justice, animaljustice.ca. Camille, thank you for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Good to be here, Rob. Thank you. Let's talk about Bill C-84, first of all. Uh, in fact, you had proposed uh, some of these specific amendments that the, the committee has approved. So what, what was lacking in, in the bill as originally written? Well, the bill does two things. It closes the bestiality loophole in Canada so that all sexual contact with animals is going to be illegal. So that's very good because there was a loophole. And it tightens up some of the offenses around animal fighting. So there were some loopholes there where you know training animals or keeping a fighting arena wasn't illegal. So my amendment to the committee is, is I wanted to see a change so that a judge can impose a ban on anybody convicted of bestiality so that they can't acquire any animals. They can't own animals. They can't live with animals. They have to stay away from animals. So we thought that was very important. And uh, the other thing that was changed and the committee accepted is that previously there was a provision in the criminal code that said any birds seized from bird fighting had to be automatically killed. And there was just no reason for this. So the committee agreed and they deleted that. Uh, does this also change the definition of, of bestiality? That's right. That's right. Bestiality wasn't defined previously. And when the Supreme Court was asked to come up with a definition of what that means, they said that bestiality only included penetration of a human or an animal. So that means all sorts of sexual abuse that don't involve penetration were then considered to be legal after the Supreme Court case. Mm -hmm. So that leaves animals and also people open to really horrible sexual abuse that uh, is just completely unacceptable today. Right, because I guess when we're dealing with these kinds of laws, I mean, it's it's partly about protecting animals, obviously, but, but it goes beyond that, doesn't it? Oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, sexual abuse of humans and animals is often like, often involving children. And uh, it's important that we protect both. And I was really encouraged the whole time to see uh, so much goodwill on the part of the committee studying this bill to work together and make sure that we had a really good outcome. Right, yeah, this seems like the kind of thing that they can and should transcend uh, politics, political divisions. I mean, is that, is that your sense? Oh, totally. Uh, it would be you'd be very hard pressed to find anybody who thinks that bestiality is somehow a good thing. It's right. it's an appalling thing, and everybody gets that. So it was one of those rare opportunities where there was a lot of collaboration across party lines, and everyone was on board with my amendments and the substance of the bill. So we were really happy to see that today. All right. So that that was approved at committee. This now goes back to the House then for approval. That's right. It goes to the House of Commons for a third reading vote, and then it goes to the Senate. It repeats the process before the committee. And with any luck, we'll be able to get this passed before the House breaks in June for the election. 
All right. Well, let's talk about this other issue, which I, I think is more contentious. Uh, and, and a lot of this stems from a criminal case that people might remember, an activist who was charged with providing water uh, to, to pigs in a truck. It was back in 2015, I believe. It was a hot day. This this woman was concerned that these pigs were, were in distress, gave them water, and ended up being criminally charged. So is, is that, in a lot of ways, what, what kind of prompted this review of these rules and, and this whole debate? Well, the review has been going on for over a decade at this point. So just to put this in context, animals in, that are being transported in Canada, they're subject to some regulations. Those regulations haven't been changed until now, uh, since 1977. And you can imagine and appreciate that attitudes and people's feelings about animals and how we should treat them have changed a lot in that time. Um, and I think the trial that you mentioned, Rob, it was a, a woman named Anita Crimes who was on trial for the supposed crime of giving water to a thirsty pig in a very hot day, a very hot truck on the way to slaughter. I think that is something that really exposed to the public just how bad our laws really are. Uh, animals are mostly kept behind closed doors on factory farms, and the few opportunities that we do have to see them are mostly when they're being shipped to slaughter. So I don't know about you, but every time I'm on the 401 or some highway, I, I just cringe when my car drives back by a transport truck because you can see the pigs, you can see the chickens or the cows, you can see their little noses poking out from the sides, and you see them being transported in freezing cold temperatures, so minus 35 plus wind chill or plus 35 plus humidity. And that's not something that people find acceptable anymore. But unfortunately, the rules that were released yesterday don't do much to change that. So what does change under these new rules? Well, the transport times, the maximum level shipping trucks without food, water, or rest, they have been slightly reduced for most animals. Uh, so, you know, it might be a difference of 48 hours previously was the maximum, and now it's down to 36 hours. So pretty slight reductions, not a significant deal. Um, unfortunately, they don't go far enough when it comes to the transport time. So I'll give you an example to sort of make this more concrete for listeners. Chickens who were caged in, uh, in cages laying eggs for their lives and are considered spent hens, they are slaughtered after about two years of age when their bodies give out and they're very, very depleted and very vulnerable. They're uh, shipped to slaughter in these open-sided vehicles, and they're very vulnerable to experiencing negative effects when they're shipped after 12 hours. That's pretty clear from the science. So when the CFIA first proposed these new regulations, they proposed 12 hours, but the industry, the chicken and the, the, the egg industry, pushed back and said, no, that would eat into their profit. They needed to be at least 24 hours. And what ended up happening is the maximum was actually 28 hours without food or rest. So that just, I think, shows you how this really doesn't go far enough to protect vulnerable animals. Well, yeah, but, yeah, there's, di there's different standards for different animals. It's 36 hours for cattle, right? It's now 24 for chickens. It's 28 for horses and pigs, as I understand it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So they've reduced the time slightly. But, unfortunately, one thing they didn't touch at all was the maximum and minimum temperatures for transport. So we were really pushing the CFIA to include like a floor and a ceiling. So let's say you can't transport animals on the hottest days of the year or the coldest days of the year. And we know from evidence of CFI reports, uh, people who stand outside of slaughterhouses and monitor these shipments, we know that many animals arrive frozen to death or uh, with heat stroke. And CFIA statistics show that 1.59 million animals arrive dead after this horrible journey. 
And we've been pushing for temperature restrictions, and unfortunately that didn't come to pass. So it's still legal to ship animals on the worst, most horrible weather days of the year. Well, yeah, it seems logical. I, I can understand the logic behind, you know, having some link where, you know, hours, consecutive hours is linked to temperature. Um, that there's, there's none of that here then. So 36 hours can apply in plus 15. It can apply in, in minus 30 then. Yeah, that's right. It makes no difference. And the other thing that the government could have considered doing is requiring climate-controlled trucks. That's something that they already do in the European Union. So the temperature can't drop below 5 degrees and it can't rise above 30 degrees Celsius. So that provides much more protection for animals. But unfortunately, the uh, animal agriculture industry here refused to accept that. And so the regulators didn't even consider it. What, what is you know what is the standard when it comes to to setting these these thresholds? Because I mean, you, you seem to be talking about a situation where it's not just about discomfort per se, but it's about actual danger to the animals. I mean, is is that where we need to draw the line? Well, I think that's uh, I, I think that's one way to look at it. Discomfort is certainly um, not something that we wish on animals, but the, the law still allows for that. So the question is why the government hasn't acted, hasn't acted to tighten up these regulations to prevent all of this needless suffering. Uh, look, there's standards in other places. The European Union is a good example of what a better system would look like. Their transport times have been severely reduced so that they're more like eight hours instead of uh, 24, 36, even 72 hours. And they do require climate-controlled trucks. And uh, what's surprising to me, Rob, is that the government has done this despite Canadians really, really caring about this issue. Uh, you don't have to be vegetarian or vegan to want animals not to suffer during transport. And polls show that 97% of people wanted stronger laws. So it's really disappointing to me that the, the, the government only listened to the industry and they haven't done anything good to protect animals here. Well, it's interesting because industry has suggested that for the most part, they're already following these new guidelines, which aren't going to take effect until next year, but then also suggesting that they go too far. Does that sound like mixed messages to you? I mean, that's a complete joke. Uh, The CFIA says in its regulatory impact statement that 98% of shipments already comply with these rules. So it's surprising to me to hear the farming industry complaining about this because they got everything they wanted. What I see here is uh, regulations where the industry's fingerprints are all over them. Uh, what seems to have happened is, happened is basically that the CFIA looked at what the industry was already doing and just put that into the new regulations. So these take effect in February of next year, so one year from now. I mean, do, do you see an opportunity to, to push back on this or to, to force some, some further change? Well, I, I, I would like to say yes. I think it's unlikely at this point that they'll change course. The CFIA published these draft regulations over two years ago, and they received over 51,000 comments from Canadians about mostly about why the regulations aren't good enough and they should be better. But instead of improving them, they, they, they didn't really do much at all. So I'm not hopeful that they're going to listen to any concerns at this point, but I still encourage people to contact their members of parliament contact the agriculture minister and contact the prime minister and let them know that you do care about this issue. So often there's a perception that people who care about animals just don't vote, they're not politically active, and we need to show them that this is a compassionate issue for many Canadians and mainstream Canadians, not just activists, not just vegans and vegetarians, but people really do care. All right, more at uh, animaljustice.ca. Camille, thank you for joining us here today. Appreciate it. Good to be here. Thank you, Rob. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.